winter. Hello and welcome to the 20th of these episodes from the Isles of Mull, Iona, Ulva and Gometra. I'm Alistair Satchel, I live outside of Dervig in the north of Mull and I'll be your host today. In this episode, I talk with Bill O'Neill of Kian Kuen, near Penmore, outside of Dervig. Born in Stirling within spitting distance of the castle, Bill grew up in the Raploch, and once when he was watching a documentary about the Raploch of an evening sometime in the 1990s, he saw a wrecking ball pass through his childhood home. Bill was a soldier in Cyprus and Libya, and on returning to the UK lived and worked in Sheffield, Stirling, and then Sheffield again, before settling on Mull in 1989. Bill and his wife Jackie live in the house he built with his own hands over the course of eight years without the aid of power tools. We talk about his childhood in the Raploch, his years in service, working at Kruachan, and various driving jobs before we come on to his life on Mull towards the last third of the podcast. It is at this point that I should make a declaration of interest, as Bill is my father-in-law and grandpa to my son Col. I had a few issues with my equipment during the recording, so I'm quite low in the mix, which is probably quite a good thing. Also, there's a pitch invasion by Fingal, one of our cats, so there's quite a lot of purring at one point as he rubs himself against the microphone. As ever, links to the topics can be found on the website at whatwedointhewinter.com. And now, with great pleasure, I give you Grumpa. I mean Bill. ask who are you bill o'neill and where are you from originally bill sterling now you were born in sterling itself am i right in remembering that very near the castle in broad street so those are the old old buildings on on broad street is that right yeah just you look out the window you see the cannons on broad street was that the family home that you were born in no i don't i don't ever remember being there i was i was born there that's as far as as far as i know I want to get other people's word for that. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Could be all lies for all I know. Exactly. You're actually from Tinnebrugge. <laughs> <laughs> Were there brothers and sisters already? Yeah. I had a brother and a sister. So who who were your mum and dad? My parents. Aye. <laughs> well, yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, well, my mother comes from a f- uh, farming family. Mm-hmm. And the grandfather, he managed, I think it was three or four farms around the Wallace Monument, canvas round there. And he was a champion ploughman hmm. with the horses. I've got some photographs of that there. But I don't know what happened to his, oh, his silverberry hood when he disappeared. Probably the, better, the less said about that, the better, I guess. Yeah. But I don't yeah. know. One of the stories that I remember you saying about, was it your grandfather, the getting prizes from school. Was that your grandfather? No, no. The, all the uncles from, from the farming side, they all sort of, they could have qualified to go to university, but they were never allowed because there were, there was work to be done on the farm. So yeah. they never ever got that education that they could have had. A bit like myself. Indeed, yeah. So Broad Street was where, uh, where you were born. Uh, where were the family living at the time? I've no idea. Probably in the Raploch. Right, okay, so the Raploch was built by then? 
Oh, you're asking questions now. I was too young to understand that. But uh, when, was, when was the Rapploch built? Well, they had indoor toilets and things like that. 20s, 30s, something like that, I would have thought, you know. Yeah. Because prior to that, it was all outside loos and things, wasn't it? And backyards and clodges yeah. and whatever. What was the Rapploch like? So the Rapploch is quite a famous uh, part uh, of Stirling. Infamous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was full of characters. There was, it was, you know... Some, some weirdos, but uh, I think they all looked after. Everybody looked after everybody else, sort of thing. When I was being brought up there, it was uh, Catholic and Protestant were sort Very of separated, separated, sort yeah. of thing, you know. So if, if if you were if you went to one school, you, that was it. You didn't mix with the rest, or they wouldn't mix with you, or yeah. you know. Yeah. You had to be uh, very careful. We were brought, brought up Protestants. Mm-hmm. When when I got to 11 plus stage sort of thing I could have gone to the high school yeah but uh, you wouldn't want to walk down the Ratloch in a high school uniform sort of thing so I decided I would go to the Riverside school you know and most people uh, did that lived around there they had swimming baths at the Riverside school fantastic but what they never told us was that you never ever got a swimming lesson and they never ever put the, the furnaces on to heat the water, you know. So all the time I was there, I never ever had a swimming lesson. I don't ever remember going into the baths. Yeah. I don't know what we did. We must have just hung about the baths for, for a, a period that you, or two periods that you would have for swimming, you know. It was just... Pointless. I often wonder what, what that guy thought about when he picked up his wages, mm. you know. But a, a lot of the teachers were sort of right after the war. Yeah. And uh, it was just sticking them in a job sort of thing. They hadn't a clue, most of them, you know. One of the I remember you talking about one of the head teachers as well, getting the whole school lined up. Can you say a little bit about that? That, that was <laughs> Mr. MacDonald, the wee baldy guy. Was he got the whole school out one day, lined them all up, and he challenged everybody <laughs> to come and have a go at them, sort of thing. And there, there was there was three or four years hung about together, and one of them was. John Hislop, and he was a big lad, and we used to go, John, go and smack him, smack him. <laughs> <laughs> but he, obviously, he, he didn't do it, but uh, wasn't a, I can't think of a, a nice teacher. No. Or, or you know, one that I had a, a, a good word for. That's all. That, that I could remember, you know. You were very gifted with art, uh, as you still are, but when you were younger, you, you had a real passion and drive for art. Were you allowed to explore that at school at all? We went to Kelvin Grove one, one year. We did our little sketches and things, and I got a certificate for that from Kelvin Grove. But uh, One of the teachers, not at Riverside School, it was a territorial school. The uh, the headmaster there, he, he was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the only one I can remember as, as being human. Yeah. When he was headmaster... Bob Swift, who was a journalist at the Stirling Sentinel, he went up to him and said, have you got any kids that are interested in art? Yeah. He, he told them about me, so he, he come and uh, offered to take me for drawing lessons, art lessons, and uh, we came. I was like the son he never had, you know. That's fantastic. But he eventually had a son, but he lost him. But that's, that's another another story. Yeah. But uh, we were friends for years until he died in his 80s. That's amazing. You know, but... Uh, just just one kind yeah. thought. And that same man got me into Stirling Castle. 
I lived in a Ratloch. Yeah. And I'd never been in... I could see the castle from my, from my bedroom window. Yeah. And I was never in Stirling Castle. Yeah. And it just came out in conversation in the, in the Sentinel office one day. I says, I've never been to the castle. She says, you've never been to the castle? Why not? I says, well, I've tried to get in many a time, but yeah. you go up there and it was our guiles that were on the thing, you know, and you say, where did you come from? Ratloch, F off. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So she says, put your jacket on. So we put the jackets on and walked from Barton Street up t- right up to the castle, walked straight and just said, press, and nobody stopped us. <laughs> and that was a Yorkshireman taking me into... <laughs> Stirling Castle. I think that's Stirling. And I was born Aye. 200 yards from, from the castle entrance. You know, it's just one of these things. And It was the same in the library. Aye. I went to the library. Where are you from, Ratloch? Let's look at your hands. On your bike. They didn't, didn't want to know you if you came from Ratloch. It's just yeah. As if everybody was the same, you know, but you're not... Not in any way, shape. Everybody's different, but you get treated the same. Yeah. Bob must have made a massive difference to your life. Oh, he was—he was a great man. Yeah, yeah. Still friendly with his, with his family. Yes. Yeah. Three daughters. And he was from Yorkshire originally. He was from Yorkshire. He was from Leeds <laughs> originally. Did he not yeah. learn Gaelic as well? He probably did because he—I think his his family name was Robertson's. Right. And he was—he was, he always wore a kilt, and you know. Really? Oh yeah, he was—he was one for the kilt and the tartan, and uh, you know, he probably knew more about Scotland than that. I did. Yeah. I had the king of the track. It was the wheels off the, the big pram. It used to have prams that had big wheels at the back and little wheels at the front. And uh, I had a leaf of the table, the kitchen table, <laughs> as, as uh, the main part of the thing. And we, it was some some good places to play on, on barras in, yeah. in Stirling. And uh, I remember coming down this, this track one day and this lorry came and it turned across the front of me. And I went underneath it. And I was just hoping that the wheels weren't going to jam. Oh, God. <laughs> Happy days. <laughs> so your your mum, what what did your mum do before she had kids? I wasn't there, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know during the war, she, she was, uh, what they called a burner. She used acetylene torches, cutting up. She worked at Alawa. All uh, oh, right, OK. Or South Alawa, I think it was. I remember coming home at, in, uh, at night when, when it was pitch black, there was blackouts, there was no street lights. And, yeah. like that. and she'd be coming home, and as she got near the house, the cat would jump up. <laughs> it was a sort of ritual. It, it, you know, she knew she was near the house when the cat jumped in her. <laughs> and your dad, what was, what was your dad's trade? He was a miner. Yeah. When I knew him, but I mean, he was—he went into the army just as just as I was born, sort of thing. Right. Because I was born in thirty-eight, I think he went in thirty-nine. Oh, that's the best. So, so he was away all that time, and when he came back, he wasn't back very long before he went to Korea. Right. So that was because he was a paid reservist in, in those days, you know, an upset life. I think they were like chalk and cheese. My mum coming from a family background, and. Uh, 
him not knowing home life really. He's spending that much time in the army, you know. Yeah, indeed. Things were different in those days. People worked for a week, and Friday night they all got drunk and spent all their money. Yeah. <laughs> it was a sort of the done thing. What about his folks? Where were they from? Well, they were all from Stirling. They all, all lived in the Drip Road in, in, in Rapluff. So were you quite close to your granny then? Well, I was, I was sort of brought up with my granny on the O'Neill side. What was she like? Because I've not really talked about her at all. What was she? She was just a granny. <laughs> the, 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 the two grannies were entirely different. One, one, <laughs> one from the Ratlock and one from the, the farming community. Yeah. Know. Was it a pleasure to go out and see the, the one from the farming community? Oh, well, that, that, was, that was weekends. Weekends, you, you'd go way out there and... You know, you had the Oakal Hills behind you and yeah, Demayat, yeah. Demayat Cottage. So she was right at the bottom of Demayat Hill, you know. And that's where I got that scar. How did you get that scar? I was swinging on a tree and the tree broke. Oof. I didn't have any money for a rope, so I was just swinging on the tree and the, and the branch came and I, I woke up, my head stuck in a rock. <laughs> used to do a lot of biking though, in, in those days, you know, when I was... 10, 11, something like that, uh, got a, an 18 inch frame bike and we used to go all over the place. Mm. Got chased with weasels once. <laughs> <laughs> no, we heard this whistling, it was at the old brig at Stirling, uh-huh. and we heard this whistling, and uh, of course I just thought, what's that? Yeah. And I started imitating it, you know, and all these wee heads started coming up <laughs> all around about me. And I realised there was too many of them, and, and I got on my bike and took took my hook. I don't I don't know whether they would have attacked or not. But <laughs> a swarm of weasels. They, they were they were uh, they were very interested in me anyway. Yeah. Oh, um, you talked about the castle. Uh, you know, not being allowed into the castle. You, there were other ways into the castle, castle, weren't there in those days? Oh, there was. Yes, there was a, a secret passage. There was there was one or two of them. About uh, the one I, I knew was the one that came from the kitchen. Uh-huh. But I heard the people finding, you know, swords and things that uh, uh, other, wow, uh, uh, other uh, holes going into the castle. Yeah. But, uh, I, went, I went up it when I was a youngster. I must have been about twelve. If you can find out what day, what day the Hunchback of Notre Dame was was on, and <laughs> on, on the and the Queens in Stirling, uh-huh. because I'd just seen that film, The Hunchback of Notre Dame with Charles Lawton. Yeah. And I, I thought, I'm going to climb up there. So I, I went up this, I think it was a shoot from the kitchens. Yeah. And I was climbing up, and I got about halfway. The thought came into my head, Charles Lawton. And, the, <laughs> and I went down quicker than I went up. <laughs> so I never did find out what was at the top of it. Yeah. Charles Lawton, clearly. <laughs> um, one of the stories you told me that I've always thought was really quite indicative of... of, of your past and your childhood as well is the story about the snooker hall. Snooker hall, Burton's. Aye. So, what age were you when you were, when you started playing snooker? Oh, about fourteen, fifteen. And did you get quite good at it? Uh, I had a red letter day once. Uh-huh. I was playing snooker, and this chap from Alawa says, "Do you want a game?" Yeah. I used to play for sixpence or something like that. A younger man or an older man? An older man, uh-huh. and. and pay for the, t- the table and, yeah. and, and, and sixpence I think you know. and he kept doubling up doubler quits doubler oh, quits no. and in the end I was playing me I was letting him get so far and then I'd be 
you know, finish it off. I realised that everything had gone quiet in the snooker hall. And I looked up and the place had stopped mm -hmm. and we're all watching this match. I heard somebody say, I hope he doesn't think he's going to let this kid down mm. and, and go away and not pay, sort of yeah. thing, you know, because we'd been paying, playing for a couple of hours or something and, and uh, of course it was so much for the table and it was multiplying, yeah. but he kept double the quits, double the quits. Yeah. And I saw that the the, the the door, there was only one door in and one door out, and yeah. it was blocked. It was, it was blocks from Stirling. Yeah. You know. Standing. And uh, in the end, the guy said to me, that's enough. And he, he got all his money out and he put it on the, the billiard table. He says, that's all I've got. I was earning about £1.50 a week. Yeah. Then, 30 shillings. Yeah. And he, uh, he handed me all this money, uh, probably put it on the table, and it was about six, six, six pounds, seven pounds or something, you know. And he says to me, could you give me my bus fare to Alawa? <laughs> and I gave him a ten bob note, I says, give up snooker. <laughs> yeah. But it was, it was a great day for me, I, I really, I wondered if I'd, if I'd kept it up, sort of thing, you know, but yeah. things change. And the funny thing about that was that day, mm -hmm. I borrowed half a crown from my mother. She <laughs> says, don't go near that snooker hall. I said, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> so when I, because I had, I, I just uh, sort of quit my job sort of thing yeah. then. And I went home at night and I handed her her usual money that I'd give her from, uh, yeah. I think it was a pound or something. I got 30, 30 bob and she, she got a pound of it yeah. for, my, for my keep sort of thing, you know. <laughs> and I went back and I says, that's what happens when you go to the snooker hall. <laughs> Better, better, she must have been delighted. She must have been so chuffed. Yeah. Oh no, no, she didn't like me gambling. Yeah. It could have gone wrong, couldn't it? It could. Have, yes. Yeah. yeah. But it was just one of these red letter days, and you often think, I wonder what had happened if I if I'd kept up this this snooker. Yeah. There was a famous sports person from the Rapluch as well. We were just talking about. Oh, Billy Bremner. Yeah. Yeah. How did your mum nearly stop Billy Bremner's career? She used to <laughs> shout at him to stop banging the. the the football against the wall of the house, yeah. you know, so she could have ruined his career. <laughs> he did all right for himself, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you had a pet when you were wee as well in, uh, in the Rappelach, am I right in remembering? The boxer. Yeah, could you say a little bit about Champ the dog? He used to drag me by the scruff of the neck along the, along the, the, the lobby. <laughs> you know, he was as daft as a brush. He wasn't that daft, there's a great deal of him. He, he used to go on the bus when we moved out to St Ninians he, he would get the bus back from St Ninians into, into Stirling and he used to terrify people because nobody had seen boxers before you know Yeah. and he would go and sit in a seat on, on the bus and he never got on the wrong bus that's <laughs> the thing you never understand how he he's a clever dog how, how he got the right bus and, and the, the, they got to know him sort of thing you know because most people were terrified of boxers in those days yeah but uh, uh, he was well known to the clippies. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Okay. So what, what was it that took you away from Stirling? I worked for uh, a scrap merchant in Cosby Head. Mm -hmm. And uh, we went up to Oban. That was about 56, I think. Okay. It was a little shipyard at Gallanach. And uh, mm -hmm. we, we took the scrap from there and, and dismantled a, a big generator that was there, you know. 
that was the first thing. And then to get more money in those days, you went down the pit. So, yeah. so I went down the pit and uh, it was mad. Yeah. You know, uh, the guys used to, to break the boredom, they would let a, a rake of hutches, you know, a little trainer yeah. that took the coal out, you know. They would, they would not bother putting a, a clip on it. So it, it was an endless belt that pulled them sort of thing, you know, but if it came to a, a downward slope, yeah. they, they had to have these clips to hold them back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they would let it go and, uh, you know, just for a laugh, you know. Terrifying. Yeah. And I thought it was a bit dangerous, especially when I was in the coal face one Sunday and uh, it was like a cartoon. We were crawling along the coal face and a hole, a complete circle sort of thing, dropped out and it poured with water uh, and we knew the force was above us uh, so we got out in a hurry but uh, <laughs> yes and i thought it's it's dodgy this so i joined the army and six weeks before i joined they, they made it that you, you could only sign up for six years rather than three so i signed up for six years it was uh it was dangerous in the pits, but when I got to Cyprus, they were shooting at me. Yeah. You know, so... <laughs> it felt slightly less dangerous than yeah, the pits? Yeah, less dangerous than the pits, yeah. But Where did you do your basic training? Ripon, Richmond for, for square bashing. I was a driver, uh, an electrician driver. So it was all generators and batteries and charging batteries and things like that, you know. And most of the time I was attached to the engineers Right. Uh, so being in the signals, we, we were attached to different things for linking up with. We were, every year in the engineers, they used to have an exercise, Sapper Endeavour. Yeah. And we, we, I went on that for about at least two, I must have done two. Yeah. And one was in uh, Cyprus in the Trudus Mountains. Mm. And uh, I remember one night, in the dark, we were, we were going back. We were the real link between the engineers and, and the Trudos Mountains and, and Blighty. So we were going back to camp and I, we were just driving along and I heard this bang and I thought, what's that sort of thing? You know, I didn't think anything of it and carried on and we got to the camp and this guy was stood there white-faced. He says, where have you come from? Well, this was signals were the rear link. We've just blown that bridge up, he says. And that was what we heard, and it was only seconds after we had gone over the bridge. Didn't think anything about it at the time, but uh, thinking back... It, it's pretty, a pretty fatal situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, they go out with a bang. Well, it's, it's <laughs> so changed. Didn't like Cyprus very much No. at the time, until they sent me to Libya. Ah. And I thought, what a great place Cyprus is. <laughs> you know, yeah. that, that was be before Gaddafi, thought it was. Aye. King Idris in those days, you know. But, uh, you didn't serve the full six years in the army, did you? No, no, I did three. You could buy yourself out after after three years. How did you do that? Well, you got more money signing on for six years than you would have done signing on for three years. So yeah. It just about sort of mm -hmm. cleared itself. But they tried to keep me in, you know. You know. Yes. They uh, offered me to, uh, promotion to, to stay in. You know, so I was playing cards one night, and uh, if I had lost that, that game, I, I wouldn't have been able to buy myself out. <laughs> that was it, yeah. Uh, 
used to play a lot of cards in those days. Mm-hmm. That was, wasn't much more to do, wasn't it, telly or anything? No. Am I right in remembering that you met Jackie when you were in training? Yeah. How, d- how did that happen? Well, it was an open, an open sort of camp, sort of thing. There was roads run through it. So uh, we skipped camp and uh, went to Nesborough for the day. And we were on the, the river. We were in this rowing boat and there was these lassies alongside. So we pulled in and said, you want a lift sort of thing? And they all got in the boat and there was four years in the boat. It was meant for two. We uh, got talking sort of thing and got their addresses and said we'd come and see them sort of thing, you know. Yeah. Both from Sheffield, yeah. you know, which was quite a way away. Nobody had cars in those days. When it came to the next weekend, I weekend or two weeks after, I can't remember, we were going to go down and meet them in Sheffield. And the guy that I was with, he didn't want to go. So I said to him, you get Yorkshire puddings. My cousins in Leeds, you know. Mm. We, were going to st- we were going to stop at Leeds and, and, and get the bus into Sheffield. You know? Yeah. So... Uh, the Yorkshire puddings turned them and, and we went down to Leeds and uh, and then we went to, to Sheffield and the rest is history. Gosh. Right. So did you correspond with Jackie when you were in the oh, army? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you still have the letters as well? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I do not need to know. <laughs> Just before we leave the army stuff, what did you do within the signals? What, what was the work? Well, I drove a... a a QL Bedford, which was classed as a three-tonner, mm. but it had a 40-gallon water tank, I think it was a 40-gallon petrol tank, it had a generator slung underneath it, it had a generator inside it, oh. it had a trailer with a 30 weight generator in the trailer, and there was 14 field batteries, which weighed God knows how much, you know. So more than three tons. Yeah, a lot of that. And one time when we were in North Africa, I said to the guys, I'm going to see how fast this thing can stop, you know. Mm. So we were doing 30 miles an hour and it took us about 100 years to stop. <laughs> She'd never been on the road. Oh, God. Those were the days. So after the army, you came back to Scotland straight away, was it? No, no, I stopped. Uh, God, you've got me gone now. <laughs> I must have gone to Sheffield first and, and got a job in Sheffield. And where did you stay when you got to Sheffield? Did you stay with Jackie's folks? Jackie's auntie, for, for long enough, yeah. Ah, and was that kind of getting the approval of her mum and dad? or? Is it? Oh, no, no. We hit it off straight away, really? mum and dad, yeah. Yeah, never, never any, any bother at all. Yeah. Can you describe uh, Cole's great-grandfather and great-grandmother to me? What were they like? Grandfather, he, he never said very much. Mm-hmm. He was a, a manager at uh, Benson and Hedges, yeah. or Gallagher's, as it, as it was. Jackie's mum. Mm-hmm. She was a hoot, she played the piano, and they were great dancers, the pair of them. Yes. But she she was uh, she was a hoot all the time, but he was very quiet and he never said never said much to me. You know. Yeah, but a very nice man from what I hear. Anyway. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's Fingal, hello, pal. Sit and grab Come on, there you go. Yeah, your mother-in-law sounds sounds like a great case. I love the way Georgia describes her smoking. You know, the one cigarette she does. Once a year or something like that. He did, didn't smoke regular, but uh, our dad did. He was he was a 
a heavy oh. smoker. Mind you, he got his fags free, you know. He got me a job at Gallagher's eventually, because uh-huh. I was I was delivering biscuits and Quality Street and things like that. <laughs> and uh, there's a job going at Gallagher's and I thought, oh, he asked me if I wanted a job there. I said, yeah. So uh, I went and got the job. Which, uh, it, it was a big jump in wages and it was a better, much better. Uh, Fantastic. Went to Burton's to get mur- measured for a suit. Ooh. That was that was your uniform. Yeah. You know. So when you get married at first, did you were you in Sheffield or did you go up the road to? No, no. We, we got married in Sheffield, St Cuthbert's in Sheffield. Mm-hmm. Eventually, we we ended up going back up to Scotland. And where did you go? Did you go straight to Stirling? Did you go? Went to, to Stirling and uh, we bought a wee flat. It was about five hundred quid or something. Can't <laughs> can't believe it nowadays. Gosh. You know? yeah. And uh, we lived there for a few years. And then, because we, we lived there and we were uh, ratepayers, we could get into the castle for nothing. Ooh. So there was nobody stopped us getting into the castle then. <laughs> what was your work when you came back to Scotland? I, I worked for uh, National Tyres. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh, they got a contract with, with Crookin for uh, doing the wheels and, and the big earth movers. Huge bloody things yeah. they were, you know. Yeah. You blew the tyre up, you put the compressor on, it went for your dinner. It took that long to blow them up. They were huge, terrifying place. Yeah. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have liked to have been inside the crooked, you know, when, yeah. when they were digging it out. And in, in an enclosed space, something that size, you know. I mean, it was torn. It was twice the height of a man, the wheels, sort of thing, you know. Well, when you took the wheels to bits, they came into about seven different bits. The guys that were working there, they were on about four times the wages we were on, sort of thing, you know. Danger money. And uh, I remember one week somebody says, uh, you're working with the tyre fitters today. He says, I'm bloody not. And he put his jacket on and walked away. Mm-hmm. He didn't want the job that we were doing. Yeah. What took you back down the road to, to Sheffield? Talk to you back down there. When I was working for Lawson's in Sheffield, the same sort of job was going a rep. And uh, I went down there and got twice as much money as I was getting up there for the same for the same job. J.G. Graves, uh-huh. that, that was the, uh-huh. the company. Then after J.G. Graves, I went to Gallagher's. Uh-huh. And, uh, and you drove for Gallagher's? Drove for Gallagher's, yeah. I got my class one at Gallagher's. So you could drive HGVs? Uh, Arctics. Arctics, right. Arctics. But we only drove them in, in the springtime. Why? Because of the budget. Oh, really? The budget. Everybody wanted fags, uh, so yeah. we hired uh, Arctics yeah. for uh, delivery. Yeah. Prior to the budget, everybody was wanting more and more and more. How much would your cargo be worth that you were travelling with? Well, in those days, uh, with the rigids, the little, the little ones, yeah, uh, three tonners, yeah. they, they reckon about a quarter of a million pound in those days. And that was a daily kind of. That was a daily kind of thing. Yeah. You had, you had, you had, you had, you had radios and uh, alarms and everything on the thing, you know. Yeah. But somebody pinched one once. I was, I was in Barnsley. I piled them up, th- three, three boxes at a time, you know. Mm-hmm. I was just walking from the vehicle, probably four or five yards, and putting it down inside, and going back out and picking up the next pile, you know. And I went out, and one of the the piles, there was a silk cut missing from the top. And I was in a little tiny back road behind the, the, the shops. And it used to be a, 
where the horses and carts went to do the deliveries, you know. Yeah. And it was just a, a maze of streets and things, you know. And I, I shut the door and the alarms went off. And uh, I just run and I turned into, into the mainstream of the, the throng of people. It was just potluck and I saw this guy running me. 5,000 silk cut, you don't see that very often, sort of thing, so no. <laughs> so I ran after him and, and, and uh, he realised I was catching up with him, you know, and bear in mind I was I was doing juro at that time, I was yeah. doing juro three times a week and I would have flattened him, you know, <laughs> but he threw the, the 5,000 uh, silk cut at me and I just grabbed it and walked away and, and it wasn't until months later they were giving prizes out at the at work, you know, and I got a fiver and I thought, what's that for? And they'd heard about me the, the customer had, had mentioned that I had challenged somebody and got got the didn't lose any fags that sort of thing. You know. Big deal, a fiver. Indeed, indeed. It's all right at the time, yeah. Yeah, yeah very much. Yeah. Happy days. <laughs> but you were never a smoker yourself at all. Never. No. You know. And the silly thing was, <laughs> you went in the shops to deliver cigarettes and they said, "Here you are, driver," and they give you twenty part drive. And I used to go back to Jackie's auntie's where I was living. Yeah. I'd give the fags to, to her, her, her uncle. Yeah. And he said, you know, get me woodbine. He was getting it for nothing, but he wanted woodbine. <laughs> <laughs> Asked them for woodbine the next day. Oh, for goodness <laughs> The family, the first of your family to come along was called Auntie Lorna. Mm-hmm. 68, she was born, I think. Right. And were you living in Sheffield at that time? Yeah, yeah. Sandy came along in 70. And then Georgia came along in... You should know that. 1973, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same year as Tubular Bells, that's how I remember it. Yeah. <laughs> so the family all together, it must have been magic. One of the things that Georgia talks about is uh, going on trips in the old ambulance that you had. Oh yeah, we bought an, I bought an old ambulance, Scottish, Scottish ambulance, and then converted it into a caravette. Where would you go with that? Derbyshire. Ah, lovely. Ashford and Derbyshire, and it was all right for weekends away, you know. And would you sleep in it all? Oh yeah, yeah. Cooking it, sleeping it, crapping it. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the bucket. <laughs> no, it, it didn't take much converting actually. It yeah. was, it was pretty good. It only had a single door on the back as well, rather than the Double whole door. thing opening up. Yeah. Oh, Sandy, yeah, he he took up judo, <laughs> Sheffield Judo Club. And he went to the judo club for 16 weeks. Mm. And 10 of those weeks, he won the cup. And then he got run over and that was, that was it, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, we set up a trophy for him. Yes. And to my amazement, Georgia won it. <laughs> yeah. There's a lovely photo of that, actually, of, of Georgia looking very proud of it. Yeah. Aye. Aye. And there was no favouritism in it. She, she, she won it fair and square. It was, uh, you were driving lorries in Sheffield, and Georgia talks very fondly about you know the school holidays and travelling with you, uh, going around. In the, in I the used car. to take the kids and the dog, and uh, <laughs> the dog that hated traffic wardens. Perfect. Yeah. What what um, what made you decide to give up driving lorries? Well, I became redundant when. Fags were coming out of fashion. I got redundancy from uh, Gallagher's. Right. And uh, I just thought to myself, well, what, what can I do? I can drive. And I'd already been teaching some of the young lads that were working as van lads yeah. to drive. 
and I thought I'll start a driving school. So I uh, started a driving school. What did you call your driving school? One way. <laughs> Spelt. W O N. Yeah. And I, I had a, the one-way symbol yeah. in the middle, so you had a blue, blue bit with a white yeah. arrow pointing upwards, right. and one way. And very often, people used to think it was a police car behind them. <laughs> Quite useful. Yeah, yeah. What made you choose then to come to Mull? God knows. <laughs> How did you hear about this obscure plot of land in the Northwest? Of well, Mull? what happened was the driving school. Uh, Maggie Thatcher came on the scene and she wasn't very good at driving a heart eye. Well, well, in Sheffield in those days, you could get on a bus for twenty pence and go anywhere. Yeah. And she came and put the blockers on it. Yeah. And uh, there was there, there was buses arriving, with chucking out black smoke that people were putting on the road, you know, mm. and. Uh, it got to the stage that you couldn't, as a driving school, you couldn't pick up the next person. It was taking you 45 minutes or something to go across the, to the other side of the town to, right, okay. to pick somebody up. And I, I thought, I had a cousin in Aberfeldy, yeah. and they didn't have a driving school. Mm-hmm. Everybody had to come from Perth to, yeah. to go there, and I thought, we'll go up there yeah. and start a driving school up there. And we went up to Aberfeldy, and we couldn't afford the houses there. They were just too much... While we were in the process, I think it was some friendly Jackies said that, uh, oh, why not go to Mull? You know, there's, there's, there's land there sort of thing, you know. So we came up here for a day, had a look and thought, this will do. Mm. And uh, we got a bit of, we lived with Nancy Stewart for a bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, Achnadrish. Achnadrish. And then uh, we, we got this bit of land, and uh, it was next to Pancho. Yes. Everybody knew Pancho. So yeah. Thinking, you know. And Pancho said to me, what are you going to do for a house? I says, oh. He says, you're getting a kit house. I says, ah, probably. He says, you don't want to do that. He says, it's easy. You just get sterling board and 4b2 and stick it on, and you've got a panel. And I thought, that sounds easy enough. So I ended up building a house. And I couldn't afford the blocks to, to do it, so I built it in stone. That was lying around anyway. Yeah. Sort of thing. So yeah. when you think about it now now it's it's been in the right place at the right time. Oh gosh, yeah. When we got here, huh? there'd been a storm and uh, one of the acres had blown away. No. <laughs> <laughs> the the porter cabin that we were gonna move into right. the storm had blown the windows in. Yeah. No, blown the door in and the windows out. That was it. So it was a bit of a mess when we got here, so we had to stay in a caravan for a bit. You also stayed at Fracadil for a while as well. Yeah, he was a character, Steve. Yeah, there was there was something happened one night, and we heard this voice talking to somebody, and there was nobody there. Was, and somebody said, "Oh, that'd be the ghost." You know, I can't I can't remember the, the ins and outs here. Yeah. But there was something weird happened. You know, but it was a it was a weird place because he had a wee chapel he he'd made in a one of the rooms yeah. on his own, you know. I wonder where he is now. So the the house, did you um did you hire any contractors to help you at all with the building of the house? No. So you did every single bit of it yourself? No, every single bit. I got my mate to come up from Yorkshire, who was a slater. Uh-huh. And he showed me how to lay it out, sort of thing. He started started the the tiling on the roof. Yeah. 
and showed me how to go on and I finished it off. The roof itself was an interesting challenge, if I remember, because you'd put up all the A-frames yourself, didn't you? Yeah, well... How did you do that? With a tractor and a bit of rope. <laughs> well, a digger and a bit of rope. I dropped one of them. But, uh, what was that the bit where the lump is? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> when I bought the trusses, they came from Newcastle or somewhere, you know. They had to come under low bridges and things, you know. They had to take a certain route. And When we got here... We had to cut three feet off every one of them. It's held up well, well for the last 20 years anyway. Well, as long as it holds up another couple of years, it'll be, it'll be all right. So you came to Mull and you ran a driving school. Mm. But you also had other work as well. Well, when I was building a house, I would, I would go and cut grass or, or do somebody's garden or something and mm-hmm. buy a bag of cement and do a wee bit more. It took, took eight years to get it passed. No, we were living in it long before that sort of thing, you know, you, you just build a wooden shed and then you clad it. So I cladded it with stone, but that took a, a bit of time. I love how you say that you can tell that you got better as it, <laughs> at it as you went to the, got further into it, isn't it? Yeah, but as, as you go further up it gets lighter. Yeah. It's uh, on the base, on every corner I put great big stones in, well I, I didn't put them in, I put them in with a digger. Yeah. I thought if anybody comes round here with a v- big vehicle and hits the roof, it's not going to do it any good, so they stick out at the bottom to keep vehicles away from there. It must have been magic, that that sense of having built your own house from scratch. Well, you would think it would, wouldn't you? But it doesn't. It's just your house? It just it just happens. It just, it's just it's what life throws at you. you just, I didn't plan to build my own house when I came up here. It was just, uh, I could do that. How do you think Mull's been the right choice? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's a hard life. It's a hard life. It's a pretty good life. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I've never regretted it. I've lived here longer than I've lived anywhere else. Yeah. What is it about Mull that that, that makes it right for, for us? I don't know. Wildlife. Yeah. Wildlife here is fantastic. You know, When you look out your window, you can see eagles, mm. otters, yeah. deer, yeah. barn owls. And there's always a, a heron to look out uh, when you look out the window, right. and uh, curlews. And Am I right in remembering that you had a, an unusual job once where you found something unusual on the road as well? It was just at Torlois Road End. Aye. I found two seals in the middle of the road. I didn't know what it was at the time, I just saw this black wriggling mass. Yeah. And I uh, got out and had a look and... I looked to see if they'd come from Loch Cuin, but there was no sign of any track coming from there, so they must just have been dumped yeah. or fell out of a vehicle or someone yeah. prior to me getting there, because they were still in the middle of the road, and we sent them off to Benderloch. What were they, what were they like as baby seals? Were they quite nice? Well, they weren't biting or anything like that, you know, they just... I, just a couple more stories. George has put down a couple of notes here as well. So you've had quite a few brushes with near, near brushes with death over the years as well. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm coming back from Cyprus uh, and a Viscount. Oh yeah. And uh, we got struck by lightning. And in those days they had a, a cable that ran from the pilot's cabin to the tail. Yeah. And that got struck by lightning. They dropped about a thousand feet. Oh. It just felt as though we had landed, you know, a, a thump. And what they had to do was open the window yeah. and take the cable inside in case it got round the props. Yeah. But I never thought anything about it. I was I was too busy being sick and yeah. my wee sick bag. 
Did you see a light? Any lightning inside or anything? There was a, a ball. You always describe it as a as a, a size of a golf ball, blue, going along the fuselage. I remember that. Yeah. It was being sick at the time, so it could have been. <laughs> Could be my, my, my imagination. But, yeah, uh, Maggie Mason here. Yeah, I've had a few, few brushes. Right. Somebody out there likes me. Indeed, I think so. Yeah, yeah. you haven't reached it to eighty, and in, into your eighty-first year, I think that's <laughs> my last one. Oh, I think it'll be. Hopefully, a couple more. No, 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 no. Well, thank you, thank you for <laughs> for spending part of your last year with us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again, Bill. See you in the morning. Do you need anything from the shop, by the way? This week has been quite full on. I was over filming on Ulva the other day for a short film updating the progress with the island, which I then spent yesterday editing. That'll be available to see soon. I've also spent the last wee while updating my own website, alsatch.com, which, if you're interested in it, details the other stuff I do in the winter and the rest of the year round. Yesterday morning, the phone rang and a voice said, Hello, it's Radio Scotland calling. And I thought, oh yeah, Visa, they've heard about the podcast. Oh, here comes the 3am slaughter medium wave at last. The voice carried on. Is Georgia there? We'd like to talk to her about her driving on single track roads video. So I said no and hung up. For more information on driving on single track roads and to see Georgia's very successful film, visit mulroads.co.uk. As these pod pod hats, as these podcasts take quite a lot of time to make, I'm looking to fundraise through donations. So if you feel like it and you're able to, please feel free to donate the cost of a cup of coffee or even the price of a wee jimmy from Tobermory Bakery, wherever you may be through the website. You'll see a donate tab there where you can donate if you so wished. I've also got a Patreon page for donations, which you can find under my name, Alistair Satchel. But don't worry if you can't donate or you don't want to. I'd much rather that you listened than you didn't. And on that note, Thank you very much to Margaret and Hazel. I really appreciate it. Also, to help me grow the podcast, if you want to leave a rating or a review on whichever platform you use to listen, I'd be most grateful. Thank you to those of you that have. I really appreciate it. And thank you to those of you who reach out to say hello. It's always wonderful to hear from you. Thank you very much. As ever, the webpage, whatwedointhewinter.com, has all the links and info you'll need from this episode. And we can be found on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. I'm really going to do the Instagram page at some point. I'll get it right at some point. It's just kind of blank at the moment. I do apologise. Thank you for listening. I look forward to speaking to you again soon. More and thang. Shenu.